0: Turn with me over to the book of Matthew, chapter 26. We're going to look at verse 26. Matthew, chapter 26, verse 26. The title of the message is Good Friday, Tradition Transformed. Good Friday, Tradition Transformed. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Lord, help us as we study. Tonight, I want to talk to you about the bread of God's people, the blessing of the bread, and then the breaking of the bread. Although this moment that we speak of traditionally as we look at the days that went in order of of Christ's week in Jerusalem, this moment happened last night. It's important for us to understand what Jesus was doing with the moment of Passover because that's what the disciples and he were celebrating. In fact, he knew what he was doing. The disciples did not. He told them earlier, I want you to go into the city. And when you find a man there who has a room, tell him we have need of it tonight. Because we're going to break the bread and do what we do on Passover. Now Passover was the meal that the Jews celebrated as a, as, as a result of the Israelites being brought out of Egypt. It was a meal of remembrance. They had to make it in a certain way. They had to make the bread in a certain way. They had to have certain bitter herbs. They had to have the lamb in a certain way. They had to eat it that night. It was the moment when they, being the Israelites, a thousand years prior and more, were delivered from Egypt by by God's mighty right arm and the sacrifice of a lamb, that each household had to sacrifice a lamb and put the blood of the lamb on the lintels of their house, their doorposts. And when the curse of the plague of death went through the land of Egypt, which uh, was really called upon by... Pharaoh as well as Moses in combination because Pharaoh's heart was hardened. The firstborn of the Israelites would not die, yet the firstborn of Egypt would. It seems harsh that God would do something like that at face value, but please remember that anytime time God brings judgment, it is always because somebody has abused his mercy. Always. They have, they have ignored it. They have taken advantage of it. And yet because we don't see it all, We only see the snapshot of the moment. We don't have history to help us be informed about why God allowed that to happen. Not only did the Israelites find themselves delivered, but they had a meal about which God said, I want you to remember this moment. And it was particular, and they had to do it a certain way. And and the meal was so so programmatic that they had to have a feast around the meal where all all of the men, the Israelites, would gather together once a year to celebrate what God had done at this moment 1,400 years earlier. And every year they were to remember that because it was unusual. Never had a nation been delivered from the most powerful nation on the planet like this before. Other nations have been delivered from more powerful nations, but that by the sword and the spear, this by the hand of Almighty God not one sword was lifted. Not one spear was thrust. God's hand moved and brought out a nation from another that had, that had held them in bondage for 400 years. Do you think during the 400 year period that there may have been somebody in the Israelite camp that says, you know, we probably ought to leave this place. <laughs> somebody. We don't have any record, but in four, 400 years is it's another 40% longer than our country has been around. And we've had many wars to deliver ourselves. Don't you think somebody, someplace said, enough of this, and they tried? God did it all by himself. And so he said, I don't ever want you to forget this. You celebrate it every year, and you take an entire week of vacation." And you come to Jerusalem and you hear the stories over and again and again about what I did for you. And you eat this meal in commemoration of what I've done. And a part of the meal was unleavened bread. Now, if you don't know why in the world God had them eat unleavened bread, then you think that unleavened bread is kind of holy. when It's, it's just pita bread that's all it is, it's the stuff they make gyros out of, it's pita bread but God said I want you to eat this kind of bread at this occasion because I want you to remember what I did, now when when they came out of Egypt, the Lord said I'm bringing you out in the morning and you're not going to have time for the bread to rise, so don't put any leaven in it, it's not going to do you any good, just make it the way it is and don't let it rise, just cook it Pat it together, put it in the oven, because you do not have time to wait. It represented the the earnestness with which they needed to get out of the world. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You're waiting for the the world to kind of bless you before you can make your exit? Let me first, God, if, if, if I could just get my promotion... I know it's not, not the right way. I, I, I know I haven't used the right means, but, but once I get mine, then I'll give you yours. What are you waiting for? Get out. Leave the world. Hurry up. It has nothing to offer you and can only promise you death, destruction. It will steal from you. It will try to kill you. It will destroy your life and leave you hopeless. Hurry up and get out. Every time they ate this bread, the children would look, because all year long, they were eating bread with leaven, stuff that you buy in the grocery store. It rises, loaves, and this one particular time, they had to eat it like this, and all the kids would say, Mama, why the bread flat? Mama, why the bread flat? Why the bread flat? I don't like this hard, Mama. And then what would the parents do? Oh, baby, let me tell you the story. My ancestors, our ancestors didn't have time because God brought them out in a hurry. And you need to serve God in a hurry. Don't ever wait. Everything about the meal was about remembrance, commemoration, bringing the past into the present so that your testimony could be current. And you need to always remember what God has done for you never forget because it will keep you right today. It'll keep you more right than you normally would be if you forgot what he did. And if you forget what he did, then you're always going to be wondering, is he going to do whatever I need him to do now? I'm not quite sure. Doubt and unbelief begins to fill your soul because you forgot what he's already done. Our memory helps us redemptively. We always need to remember and hold on to what he did. Now, we in America, unfortunately, we don't have a whole lot of things like this to hold on to regularly to remember what God has done. We we don't have a week-long consecrated vacation whereby the church all comes together and remembers the cross. We don't have that. But we do have individual moments like this called Easter or moments like Christmas where we celebrate a day. And we allow God to do something for us in a weekend that we, 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 we couldn't have done on a regular day because the emphasis is not exactly the same. And we remember what God has done in a way differently than we did on Tuesday. That's why it's critical for you to come to moments like this. And I know I'm preaching to people who are here because the people who aren't here need to hear exactly what I'm saying, but they're not here. So would you please... <laughs> Would you please help me by being my echo? They need to remember in these remembrance moments. God saved you. He helped you when you could not help yourself. He sent his son when you didn't even ask for him to come. Remember so that when sin knocks at your door and gives you an opportunity to disobey, you're able to say, I'm still holding on to that which saved me 20 years ago. And I will not deny my God today. Remember! The bread was that which was the bread of remembrance. Bread represents provision in Scripture. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And, and that, just, that means more than just whatever we eat. It means whatever we need to do what we need to do to honor you and support that which you've given us. Give us that today. Bread represents provision. And Jesus understood that. Secondly, bread, it, 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 it is that which... It, Jesus was, was called in John 6, the bread from heaven. He was the, the one who came down as the provision for us and he says it three or four times in John 6 I am the bread from heaven and the the bread that he mentioned with respect from heaven is that which you cannot but superimpose over what God rained down for the Israelites when they were in the wilderness manna the provision that he made and it's important for us to understand that Jesus is all we need now hear me you, 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 you need to eat. You, you need to work. You, you, need. I get that. But he is the fountain from which all provision flows for you. Oh, yeah. If you have him, you have all you need. Because he has all you need. You don't need some other God to assist in the process. The Hindus have like 2 billion. Because one God can't fix everything. And so they pray to this one and that one and this one and that one. And the more they believe they can add to their pantheon, the stronger they are because they've got more gods to help because every god has a whole not Jesus. He is all we need. He is our provision from heaven. And the matter that came down for the Israelites that's who Jesus is. He's miraculous. And then there is the blessing of the bread. Now this part is really interesting because whatever God has already designed for us is blessed. Is blessed. See, the Israelites never prayed over their food before they ate it. Never. They were said to have prayed after they ate it because in Deuteronomy 8 it says, when you have finished... When when you have brought in the harvest, when you have arisen, after you have eaten, bless the Lord your God, for he has provided for you the ability to make wealth. So you're supposed to bless him afterwards. That's what the Israelites did. But, But Paul told Timothy to make sure the people that Timothy was pastoring blessed the food before they ate it. Why? Because Timothy was ministering to Gentiles. See, the Jews had a dietary law. And God already said, this is what you shall not eat, and this is what you shall eat. If you eat what I tell you to eat, it's already blessed. So all you have to do is thank me when you finish. Now, you Gentiles, I don't know what you're eating. (laughs) No telling what you are putting in your mouth. So before you put it in your mouth, you better pray. You had better pray. I'm telling you, that's good exegesis there. That, that, this, is, this is true. You better pray over that ham you put in your stomach this week because it ain't clean. Now, it doesn't mean you will become unclean if somehow you eat it. No, no, we're not talking about spiritual things. We're talking about health. That's all Paul was talking about, just health. I, I got I to move on. So Jesus had this meal. Passover was already blessed because God prescribed it as such. You you didn't have, but then Jesus took the bread and blessed it. (laughs) He was taking the normal tradition that everybody had always been through and adding something to it. Your regular church service is already blessed. But God wants to double bless it. He wants to add a little something to it. I know you're coming regularly, and if you're here tonight, you're one of the most faithful people we got in our church. You are a fine Christian, you are. You're amazing. Your attentiveness to the word of God and obedience and trying to comply is commendable. But don't just come and clock in, believe that, Lord, you're going to bless this blessed place. You're going to bless this blessed ear. You're going to bless this blessed obedience. I need you to come and give me a double blessing tonight. Yes. He took the tradition that already was and said, I'm going to do something extra with it. Well, he says he took the bread and he blessed it. And there is a blessing that is to come to your life as a result of your regular routine. And this, this the, the compliance that you have, the obedience that you give, the love that you exhibit to, to humanity and to God is, is really, really great. Everything about what we do needs to be accentuated by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just about character. Character is important, and that is the fruit of the Spirit. We need all those things. We need formation in our soul. We don't just need behavioral change. We need character change. We don't just need to do the right thing. We need to be the right people. So you can't do without that because if you, if, if you don't concentrate on character and you only concentrate on behavior, then at some point your character is going to let down your behavior because you can only act so long. Some of you can get some Oscars, but you can't do it all the time. You can't do it all the time. So, so reality has to set in here. And he's given us a prescription. I mean, it's really easy. Easy to understand, not easy to do. When somebody says you're you supposed to be like God, well, all you got to do is just look at, at Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against these nine things, there is no law. And if you, if, if you find yourself not responding the way you should, all you got to look is at, in one of those nine and say, Now, where did I blow it? What do I need? More self-control? Do I need more kindness? More, more good, good? What do I need? And so he made it real easy. And all you have to do then is just take another bite of fruit. Because it's the fruit of the Spirit. You can fix that. And so there's, there's character that needs to be developed. But on top of that, there is the power of the Holy Spirit that is to come into our lives to help us be witnesses for Christ with respect to that power, not just the character. So miracles ought to be normal for the Christian. Because you've got a double blessing. You've been blessed twice. He took the bread and he blessed it. And in that blessing, he said, then he broke it. <laughs> this is kind of the painful part. He said, this is my body. He, 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 he transformed the entire Passover moment now to what we call communion. And this is one of the things that we have as a remembrance on how to, how to, re, how to signify and, and commemorate the cross of Christ in our life. This is why communion is so important. This is why we do it regularly, so we can have an idea of what it means to to know the body that was broken for us and the blood that was spilled. Jesus said, whenever you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Now, there are a couple of ways that the body of Christ has interpreted the idea of what he said when he said, this is my body and this is my blood. The Catholics believe in a thing called transubstantiation. Which is that which actually changes the the, body, the the bread into the body of Christ and changes the, the wine or the grape juice into the blood of Christ. So much so that the priest, when there is wine or grape juice left over, wine for the Catholics, they can't pour it down the drain. They've got to drink it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> which, which incentivizes some Catholics to become priests, I guess. They have to drink it because it's holy now. It is actually the blood of Christ. They can't throw away the wafers or the crackers that they break, uh, the unleavened bread, because it is the body of Christ. We don't look at it like that. We don't believe that it actually changes. We believe that by faith, when we take it, the presence of God is with it. And so when we take it by faith, something happens in our faith that allows us to receive it as strength and redemptive in its benefit. We call that consubstantiation with the the, the transforming power, not that it actually is transformed. And he said, this is my body. Another way is that somebody the church believes is just a symbol It does neither. We fall in the middle with consubstantiation. But he said, this is my body. And then he broke it. When God breaks stuff, it's, it's don't 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 confuse that with cutting. Cutting involves a precise and very careful line to make sure that it's even. It's much more surgical. Breaking is tearing, and th- there is nothing neat about what happened to Jesus. His body was broken. It wasn't surgical. And I'm sorry. There's nothing neat about you becoming a redemptive benefit to the people around you. It's messy. He's going to break you. Amen, Pastor Brad. That was a great point. That was really, that was amazing. Did you hear that, sweetheart? He's going to break you. Did you hear that? <laughs> No anesthesia either. None. It's painful. There's no way you can get around the cross. There's no way you can get around the soul that needs to be torn apart and re put back together. Because we are not what we should be. And the only way we could be of benefit to the world is if he breaks us and then begins to distribute us. He says he took the body and said, take, eat. He he distributed it to them. God is breaking you so that you can have a greater impact to more people. If he keeps you the way you are, you're only going to impact a few. Are are you hearing me? And if we're going to win our city, we need a lot of people who are broken. Because the world is really broken. You see, there's a difference between the brokenness that happens in the church and the brokenness that happens in the world. The brokenness that happens in the church is purposeful because people are submitting themselves to God and they realize I'm not what I should be, but I need to be what I need to be. Therefore, I'm coming to you, God, to help me become what I need to be. Break these areas of pride in my life. Help this selfishness to be torn down. Make me into what I ought to be, and I believe you can remake me after you break me. In the world, it's just broken. And when they are broken, when, when tragedy happens, when their soul is disappointed, when life does not go their way, they don't get better, they get bitter. Breaking in the body of Christ is redemptive in its orientation because God is trying to make us more for people. And this breaking is not unlike what Jesus did with the breaking of the bread for the 5,000 and the 4,000. I was I was I was too whole 30 years ago. That's why you weren't here. I was too whole. Too much of Brett. I was I was still kicking. I hadn't died enough yet. Too much of my ideas, too many of my emotions, my pride, my ego, my ambition. And, and, and I, hope, I hope he's done with a, with a lot of the breaking. I, I, hope, I hope. Chris has been with me for 30 years. Please pray for me. Yeah, thank you, my brother. There's an amen right there. He knows what I used to be or what I didn't used to be. He's been with me every step of the way since 1984. I love him with all my heart. But I've been, I've been broken in so many ways. And at the time, it seemed so unmerciful. So painful, but the Lord was always there to remake me. And as a result, kind of like Jacob, who had his hip because he wrestled with God uh, the night before he was to meet his brother, he was afraid because the last thing his brother thought about was killing him, and he didn't know whether his brother still thought still thought that was a good idea, and he didn't want to meet him, and he was scared to death. And, It says he wrestled with God, though he did not know it was God until the very end, and he wrestled with such strength that the only way the Lord could stop him is to touch the socket of his hip, and for the rest of his days, he walked with a limp. I don't know that I tried to wrestle with God, but I know I have. I didn't know it was him. I didn't. I thought it was people. I thought it was circumstance. I thought it was unfair treatment. Just like he thought. It was. Remember, he was on. He was the night. He had sent messengers already before him, saying he needed to meet with his brother, and it was the night before he was going to meet with him. And so he's lying there. He sent his family away, a little distance away, and he was lying there going to sleep by himself. And all of a sudden, somebody jumps him. What do you think if you're Jacob? This is Esau. He is a, they don't have flashlights. There are no flashlights. Somebody jumps him. And now he is fighting for his life. He thinks it's Esau. And every time you begin to wrestle with human beings, please remember, you're wrestling with God. Stop before he touches the hip of your socket. You're down in here, you'll walk with a limp the rest of your days. And I don't walk with as much confidence as I used to. In what Brett thought was right, I'm always. Uh, wait, wait. It sounds like a good idea, but could we like pray and fast for a week? <laughs> I don't. I don't know that we ought to do that congregationally. Like Let's spend some time thinking. I do not want to hurry up. I've hurried up and had to come back and start over again let's, let's not go there breaking is hard but because and I, I haven't submitted as I should I, I probably should be a lot farther down the road than I am but because I did what I did do a few people turned into a bunch so that me could benefit more so that I could help more people. How many mores are there out there for you to help? You're not what you ought to be. Let him break. When he did it to the 5,000, five loaves and two fish, it fed 5,000 men, not to mention women and children. God wants to do that with you. And he said, this is my body. Look at who's being fed since Jesus was busted not just the people who have been here but everybody throughout history is still eating from that loaf who will eat from your loaf let's pray daddy I love you you're a good God I'm so grateful you have provided for us so grateful There is nobody like it.